Jesus, we just pray that you will speak through Pastor Jason. Let his mind and his tongue be lucid and clear. And I pray that we will each receive what you have for us this morning. Let us put on listening ears and um, each of us learn a new nugget that we maybe didn't consider before, Father. Thank you for this morning and my family. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Um, we uh, uh, have been talking about rhythm, rhythms of a disciple, but today is a special day. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Do you know that? Pentecost Sunday. Um, this is the day that we commemorate the, the coming of the Holy Spirit, and this is a, obviously a, a real special day for churches um, such as ours. Um, one of our core values here at Christ Center is, is simply this. The Holy Spirit is active. Kind of a core, core belief for us. We believe he's active. We really believe he's active. Um, and we, we don't believe that he came uh, and, and did things in the New Testament that he refuses to do today. Um, we, we believe he still works among us in many, many ways. Not only is he the spirit of comfort and the spirit of wisdom, uh, not only does he bear witness inside us as uh, sons of God, we also believe that he heals. We believe he does wonders. We believe he still gives gifts of, uh, of tongues and prophecy and interpretation, words of knowledge and so on. We believe that. And we believe he still speaks to us just like he spoke to the apostles in the book of Acts. Um, here is the scene, if you remember this, when the day of Pentecost arrived. First of all, first of all, they were, they were up there in the upper room. Jesus said, go and wait until the, the, the Holy Spirit falls. You receive power from on high. So they're up there together, waiting together. And so then... Uh, the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, this is... Uh, is not actually that uncommon in Scripture. God speaks in wild, big ways throughout Scripture. Uh, and in fact, he does all kinds of crazy stuff in the Old Testament too, such as with Elijah. You remember the scene with Elijah? Um, Elijah has, has gotten super depressed. He's just seen unbelievable miracles. The people have had a chance to return to him, and they just don't return. In fact, he, he suddenly has a price on his head uh, after this incredible miracle at Mount Sinai. So he runs, and he gets extremely depressed. Most people even think suicidal. When you read his words, it sounds very much like he's suicidal. And here is the prophet of God, maybe the greatest of the prophets of the Old Testament. Incredible man, and he's so down. And uh, and so the Lord leads him to the mountain where he had led Moses. And here, look at their exchange here. He said, go out, this is God, to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountain and bricks and rocks in pieces before the Lord. But first of all, you picture this, he's like standing out and he sees, and what happens? A wind comes and then like a landslide and things... Well, that's quite a display, Lord. But the Lord was not in the winds. And after the wind, an earthquake. Everything starts shaking. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. These are incredible demonstrations of the power of God. The fire. 
But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it, when he heard that voice, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him. Here's the still, small voice that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? That's a picture of what we face today in our challenge of hearing God. We believe God can do wonders. We believe he can speak through storms and fire. We believe in tongues of fire and in multitudes coming to Jesus. We believe in Red Sea crossings and lights on the Damascus Road. But most of the time, here's our challenge, most of the time the Holy Spirit still speaks in a whisper. In a still, small voice. And this is especially challenging for us in a culture that's so saturated with noise. So saturated. Our second rhythm of being a disciple is listening. Many have throughout the ages called this discipline silence and solitude, but I'm calling it listening because that's the primary reason for becoming silent. Um, and, and I think we, we need, as disciples of Christ, we need almost, I, I hesitate because I, I, I I, I'm tempted to overstate this. I think it's such a big deal, especially now. We have to regain our ability to calm ourselves, calm the world around us, and just hear him. We must. And it does not happen by accident. I promise you it will not. Because the noise will find you. We've been talking about rhythms of a disciple. About Some people call them spiritual disciplines. Some people call them spiritual exercises. The fact is, in environments like this, where we do believe the Holy Spirit works in us and communes us, sometimes we have a habit of getting really loosey-goosey about everything. And not ever planning anything and just hoping that things will just kind of work out for us. But I don't believe that that was ever God's intention, and I don't believe that's how Jesus lived his life. So as we're talking about these things, we'll, we're going to go through several of them. As we said, we're, we're, we're doing some that are, are, we believe should be daily, and then some that should be weekly. And listening, I think, should be a daily uh, a rhythm for us. We can't always take a large block of time, but we can at least take a smaller block of time and just listen and hear what he has to say. So let's talk about that. First of all, um, let's, let's read this. Uh, this was a, a part of Jesus's lifestyle. I'm going to look up here because those lights are so bright, it's hard for me to read back there. In the morning, long before dawn, Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a lonely place and prayed there. This is right at the beginning of his ministry. Now here, the words of Henry Nouwen here. The more I read this nearly silent sentence locked in between the loud words of action, the more I have the sense that the secret of Jesus' ministry is hidden in the lonely place where he went to pray early in the morning, long before dawn. In the lonely place, Jesus finds the courage to follow God's will and not his own, to speak God's words and not his own, to do God's work and not his own. He reminds us constantly, by myself I can do nothing. I seek, to not, uh, I seek to do not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And again, what I say to you, I do not speak of my own accord. It is my Father living in me who is doing his works. It is in the lonely place where Jesus enters into intimacy with the Father that his ministry is born. It is the lonely place. And we do, we see this time and again throughout the ministry of Jesus. Now, 
again, I, I, I want to pick on us a little bit here and, and just look at where we are at. We have wonderful benefits of, of, uh, of who we are. We have this birthright. Like we talk about, we believe the Holy Spirit is active, so we pursue those things. But I don't know if you guys have ever thought this way, but I've had people suggest to me that the only time the Holy Spirit ever speaks is in the moment. Like right now. Like, I've, I've had people question, why do you even prepare for a sermon? Because the Holy Spirit will just give you that talent right there. All right, you know, I, something, and maybe that works for some. But I, I happen to think that the Holy Spirit doesn't only speak right in the moment. He can speak to me through the week as well. But it's sort of a tendency to think that everything sort of happens in the moment. So sometimes I think when we picture Jesus, when we see these statements that he makes here of like, I do what my father tells me, I, I, I listen to what he says and, and do that. I think we think like he's just walking around and everything's just happening right here. Like Jesus got an earpiece. He's got a God earpiece. Like, stop, someone just touched your robe. Who touched my robe? Are you sure? Okay. You know, like, like it's that. Now, I do believe the Lord spoke to him specifically in all these circumstances. Don't get me wrong. I do believe that was going on. He does speak to us in the moment. But I think the reason he was able to understand what God wanted him to do and the reason he was getting such a clear picture of what God was calling him to do is because he got away early, away from everyone else and sat in the silence with the Lord and listened. This was his habit. He did this all the time. As a follower of Christ, if we're going to follow what he does, I think we need to take, on, take this on as a part of our lifestyle. Disciple, as Noah Webster, uh, 1828 Dictionary says, his disciple is a follower, an adherent to the doctrines of another, one who is following. And look at this here. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. How can we follow him if we do not hear his voice? As a disciple of Christ, we need to cultivate our ears to hear his voice. And if we don't, how can we follow him? Do you know his voice? Listening is a big theme all through the Old and New Testaments. I'll just give you a quick sample here. It's full, and the Proverbs are full of attending our ears, of listening, of hearing. Uh, here's just one example. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instructions and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, watch, waiting beside my doors. There is great wisdom to be found in listening. There's not a whole lot of wisdom found in here apart from listening. James 1.19 says this, I like this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. That's maybe a good word for some of us in here, right? We need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And this works in our, our personal, intimate life with the Lord, not just our interpersonal relationships. So this is through all the Old and New Testament, this admonition to stop, to silence ourselves and to listen. Listening, real listening requires, first of all, silence. That means, first of all, getting away from other people. That's really easy for some of you. Not so easy for others of you. This great little gem right here, this is one, one that we um, like to give away as often as we can. It's called Surprise the World by Michael Frost. Um, here's what he has to say. 
For enthusiastic extroverts, the thought of blessing others and eating with others sounds great, but the intentional practice of solitude and silence, which is implicit in the habit of listening to the Spirit, is a big challenge. I appreciate that. Not only are extroverts to, uh, disinclined to silence, but often the evangelical culture of many of our churches has been shaped by the busyness and activism of our contemporary culture, which uh, causes us to associate mission with doing things. So much doing. But we need to heed the warning of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Let him who cannot be alone beware of community. He will only do harm to himself and the community. Read that again. That's Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Let him who cannot be alone beware of community. He will only do harm to himself and to the community. If you find yourself being unable to be alone, it means you need community, and needing community can lead to using community to meet your need. Now, all of us in one sense need community, but there's an unhealthy sense of that. There's an unhealthy sense where it's like we can't connect with our hearts, we can't connect with God unless we're with other people. Silence requires, first of all, that we get away from other people. This is, is not easy for everyone, I understand, like logistically, and we'll talk about the logistics of this, because some of you guys is actually really easy, and you just need to prioritize it. Others of you have kids, small kids. That complicates things, I understand. So, that's what that, that means, first of all. But this, is, this part is even more challenging. Real listening requires shutting out the noise. Whew. This is, is not easy. Now, I've been on a little bit of a crusade lately. Now, I like technology. I use technology. I'm pretty good with technology. I like to do videos. I like to do, you know, artsy things that we do here and use video. And I, I, I you know, I, I, I do all of that. But guys, I tell you, this is also my enemy. Because it will not be quiet. Anyone else have that problem? All right. I'll read you this little <clears throat> amended report from Business Insider. This was from, I think, July of last year. There was a study that went out about our phones. It sometimes seems as if our phones function like an extra limb on our bodies. Ha <laughs> ha! Yeah. <laughs> now, research demonstrates exactly how attached to the devices we really are. You guys are just going to have to prepare for this. First of all, I'm, I'm going to first give... The, the, the stat that wasn't included in here, but I've seen other places, the average uh, uh, person with a phone, which is almost all of us now, checks their phone 150 times a day. On average. Oof, okay. Now I'm going to get back to this. Some even more sobering numbers here. The typical cell phone users, user touches his or her phone. Touches. Swipes, touches, taps, grabs a hold of, touches it. 2,670 times every day. Every day. Oh my gosh. According to the study research from DScout. But that's just the average user. The study found that extreme cell phone users, meaning the top 10%, touch their phones more than 5,400 times a day. 5,400. This, you know. The DScout research also found the average user spent 145 minutes on their phones and engaged in 76 phone sessions per day. 
For iPhone users, Apple recently confirmed that its device users unlock their phones 80 times a day. Unlock it. Like, this is like, we check it and just like hit the button to see what time it is. Okay, that's one of our other sessions. This is when you actually go, huh, I'll see what's going on. And you unlock 80 times a day. What's wrong with us? So no matter what your smartphone preference, the fact, the facts make a clear point, we're addicted to our mobile devices. This is a problem. This is a problem. And I stand and say, I, am, I, I, I get this. This is a problem for me too. And it's not good. Because this never allows our minds and our hearts to settle. When's the last time you just like just had peace and just sat and was able to just think about something when that thing wasn't near you? Because here's what often happens, okay? I went into the bathroom last week and thought, oh, I don't have my phone. (laughs) We used to, when we go to the bathroom, that was some time to think. That was Fonzie's office, do you remember? That was Fonzie's office. (laughs) <laughs> like time to just think and be alone and be, you know, no, we don't even have that anymore because we can't, we don't know how to be alone anymore. We're so addicted to being with this or being with technology or having some sort of input and stimuli and it's not healthy and it cripples our spiritual life. We need to take this seriously, guys. This is a problem and it's in our culture and that, and we're in our culture and it's in affecting us. This is why I say it. It's hard for me because I want to overstate this and say this is the most important thing in our Christian life, but I can't say that because it's probably not true. But it's super important right now. I think, I will say this. This is more important now than I think it's ever been. Is that a safe thing? Okay, if Jesus here was here with his disciples now, how would he interact with a cell phone? I don't even know. But here's what I do know. He would have had to take way extra measures to ensure there was silence and solitude. And I guarantee this, when he went to pray with his father, he wouldn't have brought that thing along. So, real listening requires silence. That means it requires that we break this umbilical cord. That we silence the noise. You know why you see things like this when you go into a theater? This is so funny. This is the most condescending little advertisements they have at the beginning of these. Please turn off your cell phones. Don't make us kick you out because we will. But here's the thing. The reason they have to do that is because... Hey, Jason. Uh, Sorry to interrupt. You're yeah, not bu- this is... You're not busy, are you? You already prayed for... Like, you're, doing, you're doing great. Keep okay. up the good work. I just had a couple questions okay. for you real quick. If we, uh, could, if we could have one of our moments just... Hold on a second. Uh, Look at your phones or something. Um, I was trying to. You know, I was just going to ask you. Listen, um, this morning during worship, I had a couple of hiccups here, okay. and I wasn't so happy with my tone. I thought so. I've got this pedal called the OCD. I thought maybe I'd turn the drive up on that. What do you think of that? Well, I would. Also, I thought um, because I had a couple of off notes, maybe right. I should have tuned in between one of the songs instead, and I didn't do that. So I might be dropped the ball there. Yeah. Do you have any advice on that? Well, I guess I You know, would. I just realized um, I forgot my iPad, and I really needed that so I could draw while you were talking. Um, I hope that's not a problem. Um, so I was just going to go over here now. Listen, um, also, one quick piece of advice I wanted from you, too. I deal with kids who are struggling sometimes, yeah. and I know you do, too. I was wondering in those moments when they have a lot of emotions kind of blowing up, how do you handle that and stay calm and peaceful? That's a really good question. I would I'm going to go now. Um, I really wish, I was really hoping that you would speak to me this morning, but um, maybe I'll check in another time. Thanks.
Josh Davis, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not even sure we need to elaborate on that because real silence requires shutting our mouths. If we want to hear what he has to say, we've got to stop the constant flow of wordage. How many times, seriously? Okay, I'm going to tell on myself. I was recently lamenting a little bit. I'm just having trouble hearing from the Lord. And I wish that I could hear from the Lord as clearly as some people around me. You know, when, when we're in a staff meeting uh, uh, and we pray for somebody, you, you guys who have been in our staff meetings, um, you've, you've all witnessed this. Whenever we pray for a, like a new person that comes in, uh, Jeff Starr always gets a picture from the Lord. Always. Right? And, and usually it involves a Disney character. This is true. I'm dead serious. You guys testify to this. It's true. But he always has like a real direct and very profound word right there. And I'm like, man, I wish that I, I wish that I, and then, you know, Josh was very prophetic and has these real words, you know, somebody comes up and says, hi, my name is, and he goes, your name is Jim, and da 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 he doesn't do that directly, but, you know, speak something directly that they're dealing with, <laughs> and it's like, I'm like, man, I, I wish I could hear God that clearly. And then I start like, in the thing of like, I just don't hear God very well. And I, you know, and then you get just like down and you're, and, and, and here's what occurred to me. You don't hear God because you never get him a chance to talk. <laughs> it's like sometimes I come in my times with the Lord and I'm like, Lord, and this thing's happening and, and my pedal, Lord. And, and that, you see, all this list of things you're like, and then this, I don't know what to do. You never talk to me anymore. Walk away. <laughs> you see, it's really quite simple sometimes, isn't it? It's really quite simple. We've got to stop the excessive flow of words. Prayer, guys, is not supposed to be a monologue. Do you hear me? It's not supposed to be a monologue if the Holy Spirit is indeed active. It should be a dialogue. <laughs> of course, of course we tell them what's happening in our hearts. Of course we do. But do we ever stop? Do we ever give them a chance to speak into whatever we're talking about? Or is it like, okay, Lord, speak to me? What time the game is tonight? Who's favorite? Well, of course the Warriors are favorite, but. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Wayne. I actually did know that. <laughs> so. Real listening requires silence. It also requires this, patience. Hmm. God is not in as much of a hurry as we are a lot of times. That's a problem. He's not gonna be on your timetable. As Lewis says, Aslan, at one point, I call all things soon. <laughs> Can you define how long it's going to take for you to answer this question? No. Oh. You know what that means? That means we need to wait on him. 
He's not a genie. God's not a genie. God, I didn't answer. It's not going to work that way. He doesn't do our bidding. You see, at this point, the master is the one who holds the lamp, but that's reversed. We're disciples, see? It requires patience. So, so get on his schedule. Give yourself time. Give your mind time to cold, calm down. Give your worries a chance to settle and wait on the Lord. Real listening also requires intentionality. We have to make time, make the space. Sometimes we have to create the silence. Now, I, as I said, sometimes this is easier this is easier for some than it is for others. For some, silence is easy to come by. You just go into another room, close the door, or go to the park and sit down. For some of you, because you have small children, you will have to get headphones. You'll have to get white noise that plays into those headphones, and you'll have to go into your pantry or your garage or your attic, close the door, and sit in silence. You gotta get creative sometimes. Or the bathroom, that's a great place. Just close it. You have to get creative. And I know that this, I, I, I really get we're at different seasons of life at different times. But guys, we've got to get intentional. What I've started doing is, is putting on headphones and then putting some ambient music on um, and, uh, and, and then sitting before him and, and going outside if I can. I might end up with a child on my shoulders or sitting on my head. That happens all the time. I can't ever lay down because Jack back there will just climb on top of me. Um, and that's impossible for me to actually listen to the Lord at that point. So we're at different seasons. I get that. But I urge you, I urge you to take initiative. Practical steps here then, okay? We want to get really practical. Set a designated time to be with the Lord. <clears throat> this will include time for you to be in Scripture, of course. Okay, set a designated time. If we just go, well, we'll just squeeze it in, then you won't squeeze it in. And you know that, don't you? We know that. I know that. Set a time. Eliminate the distractions however you can. Leave the technology aside if you're able. If at all you're able, leave it aside. Invite him in. Don't just, just invite him in. Just sit with him. Just invite him to be with you. It's a real simple step. Lord, can you just come and be with me? Can you speak to me? Offer up a simple prayer, not a long prayer. Simple prayer. Lord Jesus, come. Four. Read a short passage of scripture. You don't, ha you don't have to do, you can do this any way you want to, but a lot of times it helps to read a short passage of scripture, not a long one. I'm not talking about life journaling. Don't try to do this with life journaling. It's impossible. Take a, take a few verses, maybe four or five verses, um, and read it slowly. Maybe read it a couple of times uh, and, and see what your heart does. Tell him what your soul is craving. I don't just mean what I want right now. I mean, what is my heart crying out for? What is my heart crying out for? You see, because this is the other thing we need to listen to. It's not just listening for the voice of the Lord. It's listening to our soul's real cry. And that's the other shame about having these things around us because we never settle down long enough to realize what it is we're actually looking for. So if we can settle ourselves and say, what is it that I'm craving? Why am I so irritated right now? 
That's a wonderful question to ask yourself. David did this all the time. Go to the Psalms. Spend some time in the Psalms and see the way that David talked not only to himself but to God. He talked to his own soul. Why are you so downcast, oh my soul? What is going on? Or he'd say to God, why don't you answer me? You see, what he's letting himself do is be honest. He's letting all the raw places come to the surface. He lets them all come to the surface. Digital distractions will disallow that. It'll keep them at bay. Anytime you feel something uncomfortable, then it'll go, huh, angry birds. Boop. <laughs> Is this true? Yeah. Okay, I caught myself doing this recently. Now, I have to do a lot of work on the computer. So I'm sitting here, when I come across something difficult, I've been trying to do a bunch of writing and things, and if I come across a difficult thing, I'm like, I don't know how to explain this, or this, I don't like to write this part, this hurts, or whatever. Then here's what I end up doing. My fingers would do this automatically. Swipe to Safari and Command T for a new tab. It was just, what am I doing? And my fingers are already typing in Facebook or Amazon. I want to go buy a new book. Why? Because I really need a new book. Right now. Right now I need a new book. And I started asking myself, why did I just do that? Why was that my automatic response? You know why? Because I need a distraction right then. Because I've hit something that makes me uncomfortable and now I need a distraction. And now I need to fly away from it. Getting in silence before the Lord allows those things to bubble up to the surface and they need to, guys. They need to. And you need to address your own soul. Why am I in such distress right now? Why am I concerned right now? Why am I irritated right now? Why am I frustrated right now? And let those things come and then tell, tell, tell him. Tell him. He's a big God. He can handle it. I promise. He's not going to be offended by the things that are going on in your heart. He already sees them. See? He already sees them. So tell him. I debated on whether or not to try to do this in the service, and I, I opted not to because it's just too hard to do this when the whole point is solitude and silence and being by yourself. But on these uh, handouts that we gave out, um, there's on the back side of this, there's a, a wonderful little practice here. This is a very common practice um, for people who, who, who make solitude and, and silence part of their rhythm, different ways of interacting with scripture. And this is gonna take the section of blind Bartimaeus, the section where Jesus was going by the road and Bartimaeus, the blind man, wanted so bad to be out there uh, and, uh, uh, in order to receive his touch. And as he passes, he, he cries out, and this is now often called the Jesus prayer. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus comes to him and says, what would you like me to do for you? Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Take some time this week and get alone with this passage. Take your time, read through it slowly after you've silenced your heart, after you've put away distractions, and then go to that passage and enter into that passage. Use your imaginations. Remember, like I always say, this is legal. It's legal to use your imaginations. You're not trying to write new scripture. You're imagining you were there. And put yourself in Bartimaeus' shoes. What would you say if Jesus knelt down next to you and said, what would you like me to do for you? Not what do you want right now. Not you want a new promotion or a new job or a new car. Not those things. What is your heart crying out for right now? And spend some time there in silence and listen to your soul and then speak out your response. And then give some more time and say, Lord, 
can you now speak to me? Don't rush it. I implore you, don't rush it. Let him speak. Let him speak. In order to hear his still, small voice, we must ourselves become still. We must become still. Who needs this? Yeah? Raise your hand if you need it. Okay. If you already got this, then that's fine. If you need it, why don't you stand up? I'm standing up because I need it. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would give us the grace to be still. I ask that you would give us the divine ability to silence our own voice, to silence other voices, and to silence all the noise of our digital world. I ask that you would give us the strength to be still. Your sheep hear your voice and they follow you. So help us, Lord, to hear your voice so we may follow you. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Blessings on you guys, and we will see you next week. I really encourage you to, to take this practice this week if you have time, if you have a chance. Please.